welcome to episode 21 of Heavy Matters. Thank you for dialing in and joining us as we approach our quarter of a century of episodes. It's been a blast. This is the show where we talk about heavy metal music and dissect and get into the innards of the album. <laughs> and I'm Joey, your host, and the, the man giggling on the other end is Benny, who's here as always. Hello, just sniggering at the thought of innards. <laughs> it's like a cannibal corpse album that it certainly is how have you been Fr- the old fruit a frantic disembowelment oh yeah no i've been very good mate very good um yeah N- night shift's done you're refreshed done yeah um, lovely yeah weekend off so yeah ready to get kick in some albums yeah get stuck in um yeah i've had a fucking horrendous two-week work i've got Three more days of work, then I'm off for two and a half weeks. Oh, very and nice. I haven't had a break, such I don't think, so I'm really looking to it. Even very though I nice. can't go anywhere. But anyway. Sunny, sunny Dublin it is. Sunny Dublin, it was glorious here today. It was like a summer's day. Um, <laughs> okay, on this week's show, we have album reviews from Marilyn Manson, Oceans of Slumber, and our deep cuts from Ramstein's debut, Hurts Three album who I am very much looking forward to discussing with you, mate. Especially the Manson one. Um, but we'll start with the news. The news this week. So, the biggest news that we are going to touch on uh, is in relation to Holy Raw Records and the founder who has had allegations of rape and sexual assault against him. That came out on Instagram a few weeks ago. Um, subsequently, pretty much... Every single band on that roster has come out split from Holy War Records, which pretty much is ultimately the demise of that record label. And throughout the years, especially yourself, Benny, um, you've been a big fan of all the bands that come on Holy War uh, roster. And it's a very sad and upsetting time, especially for the victim. Um, and everyone's come out and has said their piece and broken ties with it. The owner... Um, has come out of his own statement saying that he is um, instructing solicitors to bring the case forward to defend himself. Um, yeah, not a pleasant time. Benny, I don't want to say too much more about that, but do you want to have any? No, I mean, as you said, I'm a huge fan of the Holy War record label. And for the last few years, it's always been an arbiter of quality, almost to a record. Everything they've re- released has been very very high quality often british music often pretty diverse music so it's not all just peddling the same genre it's all fairly varied and you know it's sad to see because it was very much a beacon within the uk music scene and you just wonder what's going to develop next whether a new record company championing the same bands will rise up in its place so it's difficult clearly our thoughts are with the victims um it's clearly difficult and um, look, I'm not a fan of this cancel culture and trial by social media. I think anything should be um, kind of anyone should be innocent till proven guilty. And if he's going to court, well, and that's the right forum for it rather than Instagram. But it it, it was pretty striking how all the bands, um, not just the odd one or two, but all of the bands just dropped 
off the label like a stone. So who who knows what what went on behind the scenes there? And like like it's probably not our place to comment on that. But it's sad because, as I say, it was a fantastic record label. Yeah, it really was. Um, so let's just make it known: there is no um, no excuse for sexual assault at end of. um we'll move on from there but actually on a similar path well sorry the sexual assault path the damnation best um been having a bit of an argument on twitter recently i don't know if you've seen it um yeah. and what it actually started out was serena cherry from svalbard went on to the damnation podcast and was discussing about the holy raw thing and then on twitter damnation just said new podcast up um had a great chat with serena cherry about this you know an innocent looking tweet to promote their podcast which mm-hmm. we do ourselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and, yeah. and someone chirped up and said, oh, did they happen to mention the fact that they're booking fascist bands in fact of MGLA being added on? Which just, you know, fair enough. Okay, someone's made a comment about this and that's fair enough. The thing that really pissed me off about that though was, in all fairness, the, I think his name's Gavin who does the Damnation podcast came back and said, hi, so-and-so, um, happy to have you on the podcast talk about it. And he went straight back into his shell, this guy, and said, oh, I'm just out of hospital meds, I can't do it. And tagged a host of other people saying, oh, do you agree with this? Do you agree with them booking MGLA? And then just proceed out. From- and to be in, in Damnation's defense, they came out and said, let's have you on the podcast. Let's have it out. Um, I don't know the proper ends of the story. Um, what I will say is, and I've said it once before, and I mentioned it on Twitter as well. It's okay to like music and not the artist. I mean, we spent a long time discussing Down a couple of weeks ago. Um, clearly, Phil Anselmo's had his um, issues over the years, and we would no way condone those issues. Um, so I think it's no one is whiter than white, purer than pure. I, I really hate this kind of culture of on social media of calling people out without any kind of comeuppance or comeback. And like you say, without knowing the details of this specific incident, like if the guy invited him onto the podcast to discuss it and the other person just completely backtracked, I mean, it just, that sums it up completely for me. This whole just firing shots with no kind of come come back or comeuppance from it. So yeah, I'm just a bit fed up with it all, um, to be honest. You you and me both, mate. Um, I, I was chatting to my mate who, uh, Dean, who I've spoken about before about it all, and it was getting to the point where I was like, I just need to have a break from Twitter because I'm fed up of people trying to tell me who I can and can't listen. I'm a huge black metal fan, as I've said numerous times on the show, and I love Burzum, I love Dark Throne, I love Mayhem, I love MGLA, Dissection, etc. etc. I don't agree with what the artists do, <laughs> you know, in whatever they are, the, the, the Nazis and whatever. But I enjoy listening to their music, and no one can tell me what I can and can't. Yeah. I mean, this we could spend two hours yeah. talking about this, but it just it does. No one can be so, you know, everyone's a hypocrite to a greater or a lesser degree. So just stop running your mouth off on Twitter and just get back in your shell. Like they play Michael Jackson on BBC Radio. That's my all my ultimate come up and to anyone who criticizes, you know, like anyone for listening to Burzum or whatnot, like everyone's a hypocrite to a great less degree and no one's whiter than white. So stop, just stop the prattle and the titter tatter on Twitter. Just yeah. it's tiresome. 
Uh, let's move on. Let's move on. Um, that was a bit of a deep cross one. We've got deep, our, deep news. Yeah, deep, deep news. Um, in other news, on Twitter, right? Enlighten news. Enlighten in, in, in news. Yeah. Now this guy stung me before on Twitter. Um, Where's Dino, Dino, Dino Cazares, <laughs> right? Okay. Dino Cazares um, has come out and said to say down the down the <laughs> down for, Yeah. Yeah, so this is why I'm with it's a slight trepidation. I news, <laughs> but he's come out and said there's going to be a new Fear Factory in 2020. Okay, that's from Twitter. Apparently, the album recorded some time ago. Um, it was done with um, drum machines instead of a live drummer. And what he's now saying is uh, to get Mike Heller or Hellier, who did a lot of the previous albums, in and do the live drums. And he set up a GoFundMe page. And this has caused a stir as well, because Bert and C. Bell's come back off the back and said, I'm not anything to do with this GoFundMe page or this scam, and is claiming that it's to pay Dean. So is, just to bring me up to speed, is Burton in the band anymore? Yeah, no. so Burton's laid the vocals down. The album's pretty much ready to go. Oh, right. Just production, mixing, and recording the live for 20 So even his bandmate is saying that he's nothing to do. Uh, I mean, I thought actually. this was lighter news. Jerry. Well, it is because we're going to get new music, but um, I mean, Fear Factory just—it's you know—to be They're fair, a bit of a mess, aren't they? Yeah, like I mean, Dino's come out in bankrupt. Your bills, settle the bills. You know, Christian and uh, Ray Raymond—they they want nothing to do with it anymore. It's but anyway, the lighter news is there's going to be Fear Factory in 2020. Which is great news, isn't it? Let's be honest. It is. Okay. It is. Get cranked up at yeah. download at yeah. four in the morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, and in further news, Hatebreed have announced their new album will be released uh, called, no, sorry, the album's called Weight of False Self. Venny, you are a big Hatebreed fan. Persevere, correct me if I'm wrong, Perseverance is your go-to album when you are a bit anxious about something. Is that right? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean... To be absolutely clear, I'm pretty much a fan of the first two Hatebreed albums, and like, I think that's the that's really all you need. Uh, and the later album, in, in a way, a bit like Fear Factory. Like, I love the early Fear Factory stuff, and the the new stuff's not bad, but you don't necessarily need it if you've got those first few albums. So I'm not like an absolute connoisseur of their latest albums, but. Uh, yeah, you can't go wrong with a bit of Hatebreed. You cannot go wrong with Hatebreed. And I think are one of the best bands to have on a festival bill ever. Yeah. Like, Sunday, uh, Sunday AM, pick yeah, me up. Little glass of red wine while watching Hatebreed. Real Strip off up. from the top half, get yep. get into the mosh pit, well, go you, crowd you surfing. Do. I don't do that. <laughs> I'm too old. I usually end up holding your bum bag full of your <laughs> phone, phone and whatnot. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's the news this week. Um, let's go. Let's go on to our first review. Um, I've been oh, I've been sort of excited to see how this is going to turn out. Your end. We're talking about Marilyn Manson and his album. We are chaos. First album in three years. Previous one was Heaven Upside Down. Um, did you know they were found in 1980? Jeez, oh, that's I, mental. I didn't realize it was that far back. Yeah. Like Manson, I think it was Manson Spooky Kids first, and then they mm-hmm. just changed to Marilyn Manson. Um, okay, Marilyn Manson. I went back into Hollywood, which is a very enjoyable very nice. first half of the album, and then I realised that I can't listen to a whole Marilyn Manson album because it doesn't keep me hooked enough. And then I plugged this in, and it did exactly the same thing. 
<laughs> I don't wonder what you're going to say there. Um, I, are you, what's your earliest um, memories of Marilyn Manson or exposure? Yeah, I think I'm kind of a fan of that trilogy of his great works in this heyday. I'm talking about Antichrist Superstar, Mechanical Animals and Hollywood. After that, you know, for me, I lost interest fairly quickly. Um, I guess one thing I would say is I'm interested in his direction lately, the way he's kind of reinvented himself over the years from those the industrial beginnings. He kind of went through the new metal period without being kind of a new metal artist himself. And that now lately he's almost this kind of evil Elvis kind of dark crooner almost. Uh, and that in a way interests me. But um, yeah, not an avid fan. Not an avid fan. No. Um, this album confuses me as well, okay? I, I listened, I've listened to this album and I gave it a full treatment about six or seven times. The first three times, I no, couldn't, couldn't do it. And then this morning I put it on when I started work and I really, really enjoyed it. Oh. And then I put it on again this afternoon and I couldn't c- get into it again. Mm. So I... Like I said, Hollywood Undead. I, it's Hollywood Undead. Fucking <laughs> we will never review that band. Um, <laughs> Hollywood. Um, that album has the aggression on, which and and the um, you know the extremity, the naughtiness sort of of it. Um, and I, I enjoyed that. How angry that album was. This one, and you've hit the nail on the head, it is like a crooner. You know, I think only the first track really has where he shows his vogue style, that old style, old school of the yeah. holy world. I've seen this compared a lot to David Bowie's work, and I wouldn't disagree with that. Not what, at what, all. What, what would you say? To 100%. That? Yeah, and that might surprise a lot of people listening to this, that... Marilyn Manson and David Bowie can be compared but when you listen to the album you, you really can hear that and the other thing I mean the other things it kind of reminds me of we talked a lot with that Ulva album about yes. that kind of late 80s Depeche Mode feel to it and whilst it doesn't sound as clearly dated as that like that Over album was clearly a throwback to that specific time. There are definite elements of it. The other band that I kind of that remind me a bit of was, and I know you're not a huge fan, but like Latter Day Smashing Pumpkins as well. That kind of electro poppy industrial rock, um, but by no means heavy metal aspect of it. So for me, I found it an interesting album, like a really interesting album. It definitely held my interest, and that. The songwriting is interesting, I would definitely say. I think I'm right in saying that he's teamed up with a country artist called Shooter Jennings to uh, who co-wrote a lot of the album. And I think I think it's fair to say a lot of the last few Manson albums have been pretty hit or miss. And certainly some of them have been absolute stinkers. So he's clearly needed to get a bit of help with the songwriting. And I think... I think in general this album works pretty well. It's going down this album is going down the route like exactly like you said over and that's what I was going to say to you as well it reminds me of that no, not not the style exactly but also these bands progressing and I'm going to bring them up again bring me the horizon going from their heavy route and coming to this I don't know whether it's the fact that they're getting old these bands yeah. and just can't potentially hit 
that that or doesn't or don't have the fire in the belly or the anger. Yeah, I mean, it is fair to say a lot of heavy metal and punk and all these things is a bit of a young man's game when you're young and bullet you can carry that aggression. But as you get older, you know those fires do kind of turn to embers a little bit. And I think it is. I think it'd be pretty disingenuous to see a fifty-year-old man screaming about teenage angst and parties and that kind of thing like he did back in the 90s like i do think people do need to slightly be age appropriate and reinvent themselves to a degree Uh, but it's just to to what degree to what degree you do that well well, i'll I'll counter with that then and say slayer yeah do you know i i yeah i I know it's a different like slayer are in that thrash and uh, you know but my, my point is like Manson. You don't was, have to, yeah. Manson yeah, yeah. was this the god of fuck, like was yeah. the god of fuck. This is not the god of fuck. This what is, is it? The god of? I don't know. I'm, try, I'm trying to think of something witty. Like, <laughs> I can't really think. I'd say the it's god the god of, of pop. like sleazy, sleazy driving around the red light district with your windows down. <laughs> <laughs> soundtrack to it can i just ask you your opinion i mean we don't necessarily need to go right through the tracks but the second track the title track we are chaos that song like totally sticks out like a sore thumb to me like that song sounds like an indie band benny can i just stop you there right sorry yeah please please do you know what i have in my notes right I have, you'd expect to see this on a highlights reel, Glastonbury Fest. Do you yeah. remember when we were sat in my lounge watching Killers and we yeah. were saying, this is absolutely bollocks. I could, it's so funny you said that because that's exactly what I have in my It's weird, like maybe Killers is doing it a bit of a dissent, but well, like someone like the Flaming Lips, but yeah, some, it's just totally sticks out like sore thumb the way it comes in, like with the strumming acoustic guitar and it's very kind of like, unmanson like like with manson you think of dark and this is all quite bright and breezy um it just i mean i'm not saying i like it but it just it was interesting i would definitely give him that but th- that that's my point exactly like you know has he gone soft i don't think soft probably the right one completely different direction throwing a curveball yes i think i, I really I, I actually the first track i actually like i think is there's it's got a great riff in there good chugging riff um and is a bit it more keeps romantic. it yeah it keeps some of that industrial feel to it doesn't yeah. it that first one yeah um the, the rest of it really now the one <laughs> sorry. so it's so no longer you get to halfway through an album before it drops off you've got to the first track <laughs> no no in fairness like the rest of the album it's not it's not terrible but it's not doing anything for me what i will okay. say what i will say right and i have two points to make but i'll say the last track broken needle could be one of my songs of this year oh wow yeah i think it is absolutely fantastic for an album closer um i know i'm sort of uh contradicting myself here but when i you know saying him going from that angry early yeah. days i think it is such a brilliant well-written song to end the album I'm shocked at that. I, I mean, I've not highlighted that specifically, but in my notes, so it again just reminds me a lot of David Bowie, that track. It's a very kind of ballady number. Um, and I do wonder if that is related to 
the co-write that this album's had with uh, this guy Shooter Jennings with that kind of track. That that's the one that I kind of thought, you know, that's where he's had the the help with the co-write for potentially. I really like the track before that called Solve Koagua. Um I think that's got that for me is what Manson's done well. He did well with the Pale Emperor with this kind of almost lounge, dark lounge music that's kind of a bit sinister. It's got that kind of, it's got quite a cool guitar tone. It's got a wandering bass. I, I thought that was a cool track. And, um, but yeah, I think the album for me ends pretty well. It ends pretty well. Um, but the, point, the other point I was going to say was, I've seen numerous people say this is man's best work in, you know, since the, the, that trilogy you're speaking of. I must be missing something. I mustn't be a, as diehard a fan as everyone else because I just don't see it. If you, I mean, to be fair, probably neither of us are diehard Manson fans and I've certainly not necessarily kept up with all his output over the last few years. I do know it has been pretty hit and miss. I was, I did listen to the Pell Emperor a bit for those reasons, but um, yeah, I, I mean, what do you prefer out of this or the Ulva album? Oh, you sod. <laughs> on the spot. Oh, totally. On Johnny the spot. on the spot. Um, I'm probably going to go with the Manson album. Yeah. If I'm honest. Yeah. Uh, I thought you might say. It. I. I mean, for me, I probably prefer the Ulva one, but they're similar in the the way they hold my attention. Neither of them are the kind of thing that is my go-to music, but both are quite listenable. And in a certain time and place, I could definitely stick both of them on and and enjoy it. Yeah, it's for me personally. It's an album that I could have on if I was going for a walk on a sunny day, that sort of thing, yeah. you know, or have it on just in the background while making dinner, something like that. Yeah, which I mean is interesting from to hear you say that about Marilyn Manson album to having a walk on a sunny day, you know, like yeah, that exactly, is not necessarily what you associate with Marilyn Manson. No, no. Um, the last, just my last point and. Something that's always slightly annoyed me with Marilyn Manson, which is notable on the track Perfume, where he uses this kind of cheerleading chorus with the with the refrain of Get Behind Me Satan. Yeah. And he's just done this over over and over over the years, these kind of silly satanic faux satanic lyrics like Say Ten, for example, is a track on the last album, which was spelled S A Y Ten with number. Like, it's uh, just just this kind of eye rolling need to put this stuff in. Is often with Marilyn Manson sung with a cheerleaders chorus. I just think, like, come on, mate, you're a fifty year old man. <laughs> come <laughs> on, <know>. mate. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's my last point on this album. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I've nothing else to add on that. Um, I, I'm giving this a 6 out of 10, Benny. Same as old. Bang. Ben. Yeah, bang on the nose for me, 6 out of 10. Um, I can't, can't remember what I gave over. Did I give that 7? I think you gave it. It was higher than Mushroom, so yeah, it was 7. Um, just referring 7, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, will I go listen to this again? Maybe. Is it going to be in my top 20? Definitely not. Um I just struggle to think how people are saying this is best work in God knows how long. I think it might be because the rest of his work since then has been pretty ropey, so okay, this could enough. be the best. I, right. I, I mean, I don't know that, but I think that okay. possibly could be the case. Fair enough. Should we move on? Let's, please. I'm 
extremely eager to talk about this next album. Oh, I, I knew you would be. So that, sorry, that album we reviewed was uh, Marilyn Manson, We Are Chaos. And our next album is by a band called Oceans of Slumber. It's self-titled. It's their fourth full-length. And to give you an idea of what this band might sound like or who they're similar to, these guys have toured with uh, Swallow the Sun, who Venue we were big fans of their album. Oh, what's the name of it, please? Forgotten. <laughs> Swallow the Sun's <laughs> last album. Yeah, I've it, forgotten. It was... Oh, you keep padding. Oh, look it up. Yeah, now. okay. Um, and they've also toured with Enslaved, the Norwegian prog oh, right. band. So um, that's the kind of company they're hanging about with when uh, the shadow is forced into the light it. thank you man. rolls off the tongue which was not googled <laughs> that was good knowledge it dug out <laughs> which was very high in my album 2018 when was it? <laughs> I don't know. 2019 it was, it was last year last year yeah, it was very high was i think awesome. it was number three or four in my yeah, albums brilliant um, album it's stupendous and we're gonna do that as a deep cut aren't we we've, yeah we've talked about. Yeah. but we're not talking about them benny Stop sidetracking. We're talking about Ocean Slumber. Self-titled. Um, wow. Wow, wow, wow. What an album. Um, I can see if Venny's like jumping in the air and saying <laughs> that as he's reacting. Um, okay, I, I, I'll hold my hands up. I've never listened to Ocean Slumber before. Um, I think they have a good pedigree. I think they've been on Damnation Fest before. So they're held in high regard. Um, never listened before. Was there trepidation? Not really, Benny. You're fairly solid when you make recommendations. You sort of know what I like and what I don't like. Um, so I went in with eyes wide open and lapped it up. Absolutely lapped it up. Um, go on, mate. You, have a few, you, you say a few things and I'll come back to mine. Yeah, I mean, on that point, I did have some trepidation as to whether you would like it. I mean, yes, it's got those progressive elements that I knew you would like. But I would say... The singing, and we will clearly spend a dedicate a fair amount of the review talking about the singing. I did wonder how that would go down with you. For my for my kind of background with this band, um, they released an album called Winter. I think it's actually their second album, although it's their first kind of major release. That came out maybe five or six years ago to a great deal of critical acclaim. Everyone was kind of raving about this band at that time. Um, I stuck that on and I I really liked it. They did a cover of Knights in White Satin on that, which I kind of hated. Um, a lot of <laughs> a lot of people loved it, but I hated it, and it, it slightly put me off. Um, their follow up was called The Banished Heart, and again I really wanted to like it, but again it just didn't hit the spot for me. And so for me, this album coming out, I wasn't that fussed. I mean. I kind of thought the ship had sailed, to be honest. Um, and I was delighted to be proved wrong. Absolutely delighted. Um, and I don't know if it's just the place I'm at right now, but this just really has stuck a chord with, struck a chord with me these last couple of weeks of having it. And I've just played it nonstop. And I absolutely love it. Well, it is a band. It is, it is definitely more your way inclined, this band, because like we spoke on earlier about the Holy War things and those sort of bands, the A.A. Williams, um, geez, I can't, I've gone completely blank. We Never Learned to Speak, name of that band, the album. Uh, Elephant, sorry, no, but there was like Elephant Tree, things like that. Yeah. The, the, of that ilk. It's definitely down more. However, that being said, um, yes, the vocals are just stunning. Absolutely yeah. stunning. I think I don't, is it Cammy Gilbert? Cammy Gilbert, yeah. Um, how would you describe them? 
But you know what kept coming in my head was, was Nightwing. Like, yeah. That style, but not as operatic as that. Um, yeah. I, I dare I say more poppy. No, please do say that because I think that's <laughs> like, entirely, entirely um, correct. I, I think so. Yeah, for, for our listeners, the, the the female singer Cammy is purely clean vocal, um, yep. pop, me- melodic. But what I loved about this album, the the, the male vocals bringing his death metal growl, yeah. and this is the part that hooks on the album because it has that Opeth feel. They're a progressive yeah. band, very progressive. Um, but they do bring in a great mix of, and it's also similar to uh, the Wilder Run album that we were to an extent. The clean vocals with with the the death metal. Um, I just think it's such a beautiful is the word I have a lot in my notes as an album. It's just so just like yeah. Like put it this way, if Opeth released an album like this of this magnitude, it would be getting absolutely spunked by everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, coming back to the singer, because it's a huge part of this band, Cammy Gilbert, and I think what is important to say, um, like she is a, a black woman from Texas and, you know, as diverse as our scene has got, that still is a bit of an anomaly. And I think she stamps her personality all over this music. And for me uh, and my wife, whilst listening over dinner, brought up another black Texan singer, uh, Beyonce, um, particularly during some of the slower tracks towards the end of the album. And I don't think that's a million miles off. And I think that's when you say pop, I think that is, I mean, it is pop styling to the singer. I think you're right to say, like, compared to your Nightwishes, um, it is less kind of operatic. It's less European, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I've i never been, like we've discussed in the past, I've never been totally on board with the, with Within Temptations and Nightwishes. And I think this is maybe more to my taste, potentially. Um, you could say it's a bit Disney, but yeah, it might just be the place I'm in at the moment. But I just think it is really... It's, I just think it's it's brilliant. I'm going to disagree with you on that point, I think, really, when you say it's Disney, because you, you mentioned Disney when we spoke about the Nightwish record, um, especially the, the second half of it. I, 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 To an extent, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and I, 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 just to be clear, I'm not talking about the music, I'm talking about the singing. Um, it, yeah. With Nightwish, I think it was a whole package, including the kind of slightly fantastical music that was going on with the symphonic elements but yeah i'm talking about the singer when i when i say it's a bit disney a bit Uh, kind of pop sorry okay right i see what you mean um yeah i mean honestly you could have picked her out of um the x factor final or something yeah it's it's, that is the style we're talking about but make no mistake about it this is a metal album yes and just the last point on that is I mean, it sounds like we could be being disparaging by saying X Factor and Beyonce, but what I'm saying is we don't necessarily see much of this in our in our genre. So in its in itself, it makes it quite original and something we've not necessarily heard before, and therefore something quite interesting. So I'm already on side with that being slightly novel in in it in itself. Um, and and the other thing to say, I think you brought it up, but the 
you know, duetted singing, the, the male-female vocal, I think works really well. And again, what I don't want it to sound like is it's it's done to a much higher quality than something like your Lacuna Coil, where they very commonly have that kind of lush female singing from Christina Scabia and then the harsh vocal from the guitarist. This is done and integrated at a much higher quality for me. No, 100% agree. I I actually think they've got the balance of it perfect. It's, I mean, 90, 95% clean vocals, and then the rest is a, a few death metal growls here and there. Um, but just go, the final point of the vocals, it really does steal the album. Like, you can't concentrate on anything else, really, to be honest. There, there'd be um, a couple of riffs here and there, uh, a couple of double bass kicks, etc., etc. But really is such a fantastic vocal performance that you just, you're just immersed by it the whole album through. Um, and to kick off the album, oh. <laughs> the track to go off the album is, I don't know how long, you probably know more than me, do you? Seven minute track a soundtrack to my last day i I mean i started i listened to this quite a bit and then i sat down to review it and i started trying to highlight my favorite tracks and i was just like highlighting them all starting from the start (laughs) but just soundtrack to my last day it's a seven minute bastard track it's (laughs) kind of got that very dramatic elements of symphonic metal like your night wishes and um and it's the, I mean, the sat, we've not talked about this, but the production throughout this album is absolutely on point. It sounds so lush and expansive and cinematic. It just sounds absolutely incredible. And it starts off with kind of this isolated vocal from Cami to an acoustic guitar. And then it all rushes in with this kind of slow double bass drumming, absolutely crushing guitars, harsh male vocals. And it just feels like this kind of avalanche of sound, just everything coming in. And um, it just it goes through the extremes on this song. And then it just finishes with a, a very delicate vocal from the from Cami Gilbert again. It just it, there's a whole album just on that first track. And it just is such a statement to open the album with and, and i love bands who go in on the first track with statements i mentioned before like opeth in the midst of standing is 19 minutes long just showing how big their balls are and saying we are here and like i i sort of got confused <laughs> confused my partner um <laughs> something happened on my phone and I went oh this track's really good it's the middle track and when I saw it was the opening track I was like oh this is fantastic it's an open um my favorite one is a return to the earth but yeah oh my god that is just you know it, it's similar to um I was talking about broken needle Marilyn Manson I do enjoy a good slow ballad yeah and this, this is, is kind of yeah, it's like a slower, moodier track. It showcases her vocals entirely. It seeks to a kind of piano-only part accompanying her vocal. And I, interestingly, I've written here, I forgot I wrote it, but like a, a pop idol or an X-Factor style singing in the middle section. And, yeah. and it, it might put people off, but I really don't want it to because you just have to hear this as a whole piece to get to get why we're raving about it, I think. For fans of Benny, while we're here, now we're talking. I I've gone with um it we we reviewed Catatonia's album earlier this yeah. year. I think for fans Catatonia definitely. 
Absolutely. Uh, I think latter Opeth to an extent. I agree with that, 100%. Uh, um, not necessarily the earlier stuff, more going towards post Sort of in between Watershed and Heritage, that sort of era. Um, I think that Wilderun record as well, um, just the the kind of technicality, the expansiveness, the ambition, um, the light and the shades as well. I think both both records display a, a, a fair degree of both. So yeah, um, and and I think uh, also we we touched on swallow the sun. Yeah, definitely. Doomy, do yeah, very that doominess, that that oh, that darkness. It, yeah, it, when we're talking of pop pop idol X Factor Beyonce, there, there is a darkness to this album and a doominess to it so yeah um i just i could talk talk about every track pray for fire i i think is that's the second track still it starts off so strongly this album and um reminded me a lot of drapery falls by opeth the start of this track just yes it slow, is slow acoustic strumming yeah just before it all the whole wall of sound kicks in they've got some brilliant pinch harmonics on it some brilliant double bass and on that you can hear cammy's voice is kind of straining to the edge of her considerable talents um i love the kind of stuttering nature of that track and it's got really pretty heavy like death metal section in that. there track. is a frantic really, section in there right really heavy um i think it's important to so the other the heavy track on this that adorned fathomless um oh. that's that i love i love the kind of where it's got the, the almost like the backwards they play the record backwards and then yes. kick them forwards like i love that bit and it's got i mean this is heavy stuff like this is heavy death metal that we're talking about here and i think they do it really well um it's absolutely slamming riff but i mean i think it's important to mention towards the end of the album so in particular i think people point at the colors of grace i think that was released as a single that's the song where my wife kind of was like saying this sounds like beyonce like it's basically clean singing there's a it, like the male vocal mostly harsh throughout the record mostly used in in the death metal sections but here is clean as well it just sounds absolutely lush and it just is, is incredible and um yeah I, I mean i could talk about all of the tracks i, I also want to mention the cover of wolf moon by typo negative i think that's a it's a i'm not a huge fan of covers but i think and i've already mentioned i hated the cover that this band did of uh knights in white satin before but i think this is much more up their street and uh I think Typo Negative are a band we've got to do a deep cut of, but this is a great, great cover. Um, Fitting for a band to cover a band like Typo Negative when they're in that sort of as yes. well. Yes, yes. I, I, I mean, Wolf Moon's such a... Like all Typo Negatives is such a funny song when you kind of hear what the lyrics are about and you can hear what he's talking about. But Peter uh, Steele. Yeah, I know. I I just listen to that eight minute glorious track and just chuckle along to myself all the way throughout when I'm hearing the lyrics. But yeah, I I mean it just ends the ends the album brilliantly. But the the preceding tracks like I mourn these yellow leaves in September, total failure apparatus. Like I could go on, but front to back for me, brilliant album. So what are you giving it then? I think I'm pulling out my highest rating on HM. Oh, but it's 
not quite a 10. It's a 9 from me. Oh, yeah, I, I can't argue with that, really. Um, I, I can see you there. <laughs> no, it's Waiting right, for me nervously. <laughs> um, I'm giving it an 8. Yeah. It, it's it's an absolutely cracking album. Um, it really is. Definitely more of your street. Doesn't have enough of the heaviness as I would like, but still, nonetheless, it ticks a lot of boxes. Um, this I would love to see this band. Live. I would love to see them live. They've oh. gone right to one of the top of the list of bands I'd love to see live because I think they'd be able to carry it off as well. Um, I, I'd love not... to see the production of their show for sure. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of these very proggy bands there's a lot of kind of chemistry that's going on in the studio a lot of stuff that's uh, what's the word you know they they're kind of adding in the mix to to it whereas i i'm hopeful that this band can carry this off live without um too much of a drop off and i think clearly she's got the vocals for it so i, I would hope yeah they, i mean they've gone right to the top of the my most wanted uh, to see bands very good. Um, that was Ocean Slumber and the self-titled. Definitely check it out. That I, that will definitely be on our um, top twenty albums. Oh, list. without a doubt. Um, I imagine it's very high up. In- yeah, I mean, I think it is the highest-rated album that I've done on Heavy Matters. Um, I think the only other one that comes close is Catatonia. I'm not sure if I gave that nine. I think I gave that an eight. So, right. yep, exciting times. Good stuff. And so we move on to our final section of the show, our deep cuts. Deep, deep cuts. And we're talking about Ramstein's debut, Hurts Live, which was released in 1995, which was so long ago. Mental. Six years later than Marilyn Manson started. Yeah, though. yeah, true. <laughs> he was already um, collecting his pension by then. <laughs> <laughs> to feed his spooky kids. Um <laughs> To feed his absinthe habit. <laughs> Do you know Marilyn Manson once had absinthe on tap in his house? Really? Well, that might just be an urban urban was, rumor. Wasn't, wasn't but... there a rumor that he had one of his uh, ribs removed as well so he could <laughs> stuck himself off? <laughs> was that him or was that Prince? I think it was a double rumor. It's a double whammy. <laughs> they both went to the same surgeon. Two for one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Presumably anyway. need both ribs taken out, one on each side. But anyway. I don't know, I've never tried it. But anyway, that's for a completely another time. <laughs> um, we're talking about Rammstein's debut. Speaking of sucking off. Yeah, <laughs> speaking of characters, we're talking about Rammstein's debut. Um, the album is German and it uh, means heartache. <laughs> Sorry, no. Yeah, album's obviously German. The, the, the name... For, for my new listeners. <laughs> right, let me start that bit again. Rammstein's Hurt Slide, oh. and Hurt Slide translates to heartache. Is that better? Is that clearer Thank than you. that? I'm not editing that, though. That's staying in. All oh, right, that's... Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, yeah, so German for heartache. The I've lost my train of thought now. It was their debut. So, interesting story, uh, Rammstein. Now, let's, let's, let's say this now. Rammstein are the biggest, well, certainly the biggest band to come out of Germany in metals, and I would probably say home scene. Yeah, I mean, the only other one I can think of in the rock sphere is Scorpions, yeah. who you see headlining, but they're a different kettle of fish, are they? They're not really comparable. No. I mean, I... they would headline festivals, but um, yeah, diff- yeah, different kettle of fish, really. No. So, Rammstein are the big. Uh, but they didn't start that way, obviously. 
Um, they had, they were in Spurn, I think. And the story yeah. goes, they entered into a competition and they won a studio time. And they recorded three tracks. Now, one was definitely Rammstein. And I'm not sure the others, Benny, you might know. But they recorded three of them for a demo anyway. And they sent them out and basically started recording an album. It became Hurtslide. And the thing with this, the difference, Rammstein decided they were going to sing their lyrics in German. And they, you know, not bowing like um, uh, We Butter the Bread with Butter, for example, German, but singing English. And they decided they were going to sing in German, which was a massive, massive bold move from a band who were just starting out. Yeah, I mean, it's commercial suicide, really, because you've got to think your biggest markets are the US and UK and most most European countries, you know, obviously speak their own languages, but in general, most speak English. So, like, it's commercial suicide, essentially, to just con- consign yourself to singing German, but clearly not not done them badly. Clearly not. Um, the album caused controversy as controversy as well for cover. Um, some people stating that it removed a <clears throat> white power. So mm-hmm. the album cover is basically five of them, and then in the background, like a white uh, flower blossom, and they assumed it was white power, which only assumed because they came from Germany, the only connection. Yeah. The story apparently is that they took that photo in a car park in Berlin, in a <laughs> random car park, sent it onto the record company, they put that in the background, and that was that. It was massive. But probably... Yeah. Interestingly, Richard Kruisper says he thinks it looks a bit gay. <laughs> the, all, the irony of all, of all the things they've done. I mean, that's a, the least the least suggestive. Yeah, I've seen a few things they've done on stage, and that that is <laughs> not as gay as that. Um, yeah, it, and another thing that's interesting, Richard Kruisper said um, he never listened to Salmon. He doesn't like it. Yeah, I've. I was really surprised about that. I mean, I find this whole era of Ramstein really interesting. I've read a little bit about it over the last few years. And what I think is hard to get your head around is like how Ramstein started as a band, like in East Germany, like when the Berlin Wall was still a thing and they started in essentially like a communist country. I think basically they were two bands um, and they kind of like you know, half them were in one band, half them were other, and they kind of fused into one band. The Berlin Wall came down, they started to kind of play gigs in West Germany, like in Berlin and things, got a bit more of a following. Um, But yeah, I I just find that whole, it's just hard to imagine a band coming out of that environment of, of kind of communist Europe behind the Iron Curtain. And I think it is testament to what a strong bunch of characters they are how there's been kind of very few lineup changes how i think the fact that they came from two bands there's there's a lot of strong personalities um a lot of leaders within that band like you'd say kind of the two guitarists you'd say till lindemann's a strong leader you'd say clack the the keyboardist is a, a strong influence on the bands like there's a lot of strong personalities in it and it's just I think it all feeds into the melting pot with this album and how it kind of came to be and how they were just single, single-minded, driven to success, essentially. It's, it is. It's a great story. And this is, I'm probably going to say, my favourite Ramsay. Yeah, I mean, you picked this. Why was it? I, I mean, I'm glad you picked it. Don't get me wrong. But I, I, it wouldn't have been the one if you asked me to pick one that I would have gone for. So why was it this one that you chose? So, why is it your favourite? 
so my exposure to Rammstein sort of started. It would have probably been around the Mutter album, maybe yeah. a bit before that. Yeah. Um, and then I uh, bought the live Aus Berlin uh, DVD and CD. Um, and majority of the songs from live Aus Berlin are from Hertzler. And yeah, the first two albums, that. isn't it? Yeah, Sense, yeah. yeah exactly. Um, and just the the rawness and uncomplicated of song hurts. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I don't mean that disrespectful being uncomplicated, but it was more like you said, they just risen out of this, the burning wall has fallen. There's probably a lot of anger in there. And this album's just so raw and feel the energy. Why is it, it surprises me that Richard he doesn't like it anymore? Yeah. I mean, I mean, they're clearly put Mutter next to this. They're miles apart in terms of what the albums are and where they come from. I just think this has, I personally, and a lot of people will disagree, I think there's more strong tracks on Hurts like. Yeah, I mean, when you suggested it again, I this isn't an album that I kind of go to regularly, but I I'm wrong not to because this is an absolutely brilliant album, and I think I a lot of my exposure to this album comes from Live House Berlin, so I'm very familiar with all the tracks, but not necessarily familiar with the album itself. But I just I think there are two things to say, like whilst the production isn't as polished and as Ramstein-like as they went on to develop. The the kind of essence of the Ramstein sound is there. And it's still, sound, like 25 years on, it still sounds great, this album. Like there are a few bits that sound a bit scratchy here and there. Some of the electronic um, kind of samples don't sound brilliant. But in general, the production sounds amazing. And the second thing is is what you've said, is the songwriting and the strength of the tracks themselves are brilliant and they've got some absolute classics on this on this album and even some of the the non-singles in inverted covers even the the kind of secondary tracks are amazing so yeah i mean i'm really glad you brought this one to the table as opposed to one i'm a bit more familiar with because i really really enjoyed going back to this one specifically good and you're right because the opening track and the closing track are two absolute beast beast uh song so just on the opening track uh i think it's i mean is it the same song what's that is it the same song uh it's the same riff that the is it not like the ramstein kind of ramstein the song and this first track is it not like the same riff that is in both tracks uh i never even listened out for that yeah yeah i i mean i might be grotesquely wrong here but i'm pretty sure it's like the same okay right, sorry, track. sorry i say i see what you mean sorry yeah. i thought you meant is it the same track open closing yeah but no. similar yeah but the first track um vault is das better flam and saying i think loosely translates to what would your bed look like if it was on fire the opening droning keyboards into that riff and <clears throat> this song brings back memories and i don't know if you remember this when we rekindled our friendship and love for metal at downloads, we saw Ramstein slip and maiden headline. Yes. Ramstein on Sunday night. And there was the yes. four of us and Johnny was there. Yes. Yes. And when th- this was second track Ramstein played, I think they opened it and they I've never seen this track played before live and they played it second and I went absolutely mental and started opening up a pit and that was when Johnny broke his ankle. <laughs> And so had to be wheel, wheeled out of the download pit to the tent <laughs> with a makeshift walking stick out of a tent pole. <laughs> Are you basically like, confessing to breaking Johnny's ankle? Well, I'm not saying actual everyone, bodily harm. Everyone knows 
the dangers of getting into a mosh pit. But <laughs> I remember it around that time, and then him being a soldier, we were all, well, we'll go back with you, we'll go with you, no, no, you guys stay, and just you and I stayed there and watched the end of the set. Yeah, um, brilliant. So that song has happy memories for me. In, uh, uh, Johnny breaking a bone. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, no, but what an absolute belter retract open I, I it's my favorite Ramstein song as well of all time is it hands down wow hands wow down. i fucking love it yeah i i love um I, I mean there's so many good tracks on this i just i love the middle section of this album do you like starts, semen yes i love the <laughs> sorry, sorry. I lo- <laughs> it's not it wouldn't be Ramstein without a bit yeah, of innuendo sorry. yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, the section that starts Asha Zuasha, which clearly is an absolute anthem of theirs, then goes into Seaman, then goes into Do Rish So Good. Oh, Do Rish So Good is a phenomenal track. Isn't it? I I mean, we're talking about like the blueprints of what um, Ramstein do on this album. I think they just lay the foundations for the rest of their career on this album. Like, for me... Like I've written this down. Like um, Visa Flitch, just the one that I might I might not be pronouncing that right. But yeah, yeah. Track three has got that kind of electronic EDM kind of dance Euro trance kind of influence that Ramstein have always had in their music, and kind of echoes what they go on to do with like Duhast and like even Auslander. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then they've got track like Seaman, which is like a, a generally kind of a quieter, more unsettling track, which reminds me of what they, I think, go on to do brilliantly with like Una Dish uh, and later albums. And then Durish to Gut uh, just again reminds me of this like absolutely classic modern Ramstein track, like something like Deutschland off their latest album, which is an absolute. Headbanger anthem, um, industrial, and I think the songwriting on this album is brilliant. But you can see it isn't just a industrial stomper. You can see the different strands of Ramstein, and you can see how that evolves in years to come into the different styles that they adopt. Make no mistake about it, Ramstein are very, very good songwriters, and everything they do is very well thought out. Um, we know there was a huge gap between uh, their latest album and the verse for Aladad, was it? There was a, mm-hmm. a big gap in Libre's between there. Aladad, yeah. um, but they're, they're so good at what they do. Like, this is probably the wrong comparison. I can't think of like the tool. You know, they take their time in doing stuff. They don't yeah. rush it. They know what they want to achieve, and this album, I think you've perfectly explained it. They have laid ground for what they're going to do for the rest of their career. Um, like the the penultimate track, track Light Sight. I love that funky keyboard intro to it. Yeah, I think the keyboard Flacker's keyboard is like the unsung hero of Ramstein. Like in so many of these tracks on this album. Like bearing in mind this is their first album, but like throughout their career subsequent to this like his little keyboard fills and the little melodies that he provides just i think set the tracks apart from just being industrial 4-4 stompers to being something more than that and being a bit more intelligent and a bit more catchy and all these other things and i think like i was saying at the start i think 
they've got so many important people in that band. Clearly, the two guitarists are, and Richard's the key songwriters. But I think with Till and I think with Flack, they've just got they've got all these other elements and I think it's all these different pieces of the jigsaw that come together and I think it's like what you said with that prolonged gap between albums I think they all have to put in their different sections to make it all work and yeah great great band and the closing track Rammstein which um, I remember it on the Live House Berlin was when Till just gets lit up in a coat coat set on fire and he's got like a cyborg laser pointing at the crowd and it's such a simple song i mean i think the lyric is basically ramshed but yeah the that the pace of it and that riff repeating over and over again. and that's been used in i want to say a david cronenberg film because of the Has dread. It? Uh, it's it's something like that the dread of it all I yeah just, it's such a good uh, and, and they don't play it that often anymore honestly we talk about bands doing album full and how tedious it's getting well we could go see bands this is an album that i would happily sit through in its entirety yeah yeah i'm so glad you brought this album as opposed to any of the others so i'm not sure i've given this one the full time that it deserves and i just want to just briefly go back to the story of the album and like the production i love the story of them getting the album produced i think they went to they went to sweden um, the producer jacob helner and they actually went to abba's recording studio in sweden to get record recorded and i think basically at that point the lads out of east germany didn't really speak english um, they didn't speak swedish i think they felt pretty kind of isolated being from a con- communist country and never really been out of the country before. And it was all a really kind of weird time for them. Um, and it, they had, they described really kind of dark days recording this album. And that kind of adds, I think, to some of the darkness in the album. Um, but I found it, I found it really interesting that they've just, even in spite of that, they've used the same producer for every single one of their albums oh, really? since then. Yeah. I Which I thought was really that. nice. Jacob Heldner's re- produced every single one of their okay. albums since then. I Which I thought that. was a really nice kind of story about it. But yeah, re- yeah, really, um, really good choice, mate. I'm so glad you brought this one in particular. Yeah, it, it's an absolute belter of an album. And to, to give you a sense of scale on how big Ramstein are, we talked about Live Ash Berlin. They had two albums off the back of that. They had The Hurt Slide and The Censor. And they sold out Berlin, in, and just that shows the strength of this band. Also, as well, it helps the live show, obviously, and everything you're going for. Um, but make no mistake, Rammstein's songs are well; they do hold up. You, you, yeah, you know, it's a classically leveled uh, kind of snipe at Rammstein. Oh, they're great live, but I uh, wouldn't listen to their albums. And I probably was in that camp once upon a time. But like, yeah, you're right; they are much better songwriters than they're given credit for. Um, they're always much more nuts and bolts to these songs than people you might think from listening to Do Hast or whatever else. So, yeah, you're, you're spot on them. Yeah, and just to end up, like they have the live album out now. I think it's live in Paris. It's probably a lot of go-to for a lot of people because it has um, the Mutter era stuff, links, uh, Ishville. But do give Live House Berlin a go because it is it really is a fantastic album. It gives you a good insight as to where they sort of began as a band. Um, but that's all I have to say on that. And that yeah. was a lot to say. <laughs> um, 
good show this week mate enjoyed that we got through a lot of stuff some good albums well yeah really interesting really i i was looking forward to recording tonight because obviously oceans of slumber i think it's an incredible album but the other two i like there is interesting bunch of albums to discuss this week yeah next week we haven't fully decided but you count your chicken and napalm death for sure Um, oh yes and then two more spots to fill another review and our deep cut so it's over to you benny yeah we'll uh tweet us up if there's anything you want us to cover yeah if you fancy uh, um, it yeah yeah, oh, yeah see. that's a good point we'll, at twitter, yeah. twitter and instagram at heavy underscore matters yeah and we we'll, must... con- we'll consider everything apart from hollywood undead i think yeah 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 <laughs> i don't like that <laughs> or ailstorm or well yeah that's a given well the list we won't we'll be here all night just <laughs> Don't don't tweet us anything shit, all right? Because we won't listen. (laughs) (laughs) All right, mate. That's it for us this week. We will speak to you. Listen. Oh, you'll hear us next week. Take it easy. Stay safe.